0: with lies. The Lord this morning pulled a fast one on me while I was getting ready, and he told me, just started dropping, just started dropping what I was going to teach this morning. It's hard to write notes while you're putting on your mascara. Some of you would say, well, go without mascara. I'd say, I'd rather go without notes. The Lord instructed me to deal with the lie of sin now that sounds a little confusing when I say that but then we unpacked it it got good dealing with the lie of sin in our culture we are fascinated with the normalization of sin We have normalized sin to the point that it is no longer sin we call it all kinds of things we call it mental illness then we moved it from the category of mental illness and just to it's just the way things are the way things are it's who you are lady gaga said i was born this way i say you might have been born that way madison but you weren't born again that way And as we look at sin in our society, we have discovered that it has created a devastating plague on our, on our nation and on our world. As we have normalized sin, we have come to the place where we have no longer called sin sin, and in so doing, we retain our sin. And we say we don't have sin. So if we say we don't have sin, we make ourselves and God a liar. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. But when we understand what sin is and how powerless it is over us, then we have come to the conclusion of there is victory in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the cross. And there is... There is a... There's a method of dealing with sin, and it's called the cross, and it is there's power in the gospel. If you found yourself a gospel that did not liberate you from your sin, you did not find the gospel that the New Testament talks about. There is a gospel in the New Testament that will take a person who is steeped in sin and will so radically change them from the inside out that sin loses its influence over a person. Could you imagine living a life where sin is no longer even a temptation to you. Could you imagine living a life You're saying, oh, Andrew, are you talking about being perfect? No, I'm not talking about being perfect. I am talking about living in a place of victory that most people don't even dream of because they have learned to live in their place of dysfunction for so long that they have no idea that there is a victory that overcomes every area of sin in their life. And they can have power over every, every single perversion, every malady, every dysfunction, every tormenting spirit in their life, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He can deliver you entirely. He takes prostitutes, and he makes them Sunday school teachers. He takes pimps, and he makes them preachers. He takes drug addicts, and he makes them deacons. He has the best fixing up program in town, but have got to get back to the place where we understand that there is power in the name of Jesus. Not just power for a shout, but there is power to live an actual life of victory over sin to where our life becomes something that others look at and go, my God, how did you get so much victory in your life? And you say, there's power in the name of Jesus. The lie of sin has permeated the church to the point that the church has become impotent in these last days. But I declare to you there is a move of God coming that will deal with sin. And it will deal with the very neck of sin and will break the yoke of sin off of the church as the church arises to understand what has already been accomplished in the name of Jesus. Some say sin is normal. Everybody sleeps with their boyfriend. Some say sin is normal. 60% of all men look at pornography. Some say sin is normal. 12% of all millennials define themselves as bisexuals. if we say we have no sin. You will never confess what you have normalized. And you can never find freedom without confession. I'm married in my heart. Let's deal with what is going on inside of us. And let's quit using pretend methods to present a pseudo victory. Not even the world is that dumb. There is actually power. In the name of Jesus. There is actually a bondage breaker in the house. There is actually one who can make sin so ridiculous in your life, you'll divorce that clown. Oh wait, I didn't, I'm not talking about your mate. Sin is the clown, not your husband gotta clarify these days I'm using that analogously as that you're married to sin y'all got that right what if you could experience such a victory somewhere about right here somewhere between here and here What if you could experience a victory somewhere in that vicinity that took the shine off lust? What if you could experience a victory somewhere between here and here, somewhere in this area that could cause you to walk by the mirror and not recognize yourself? because your desires have become so interrupted that when sin, the temptation knocks on your door, you go, excuse me? Excuse me? You must have got me confused with my twin. I used to answer the door to you. But since Jesus came in, I, wait, wait, don't clap yet. I lost my taste for you. You're kind of nasty to me now, actually. Actually, you repulse me. I know I used to be attracted to you, but you are Ugly and stupid, and so beneath who I am in Christ that I can't even comprehend ever living in that world of disobedience again because I have been made into a brand new creature. I happen to be with Jesus in heavenly places. I have been I am adopted in Christ and my inheritance I am made for glory Aaliyah. Sin is not normal to me. I wasn't made for sin. I am made in his image and I and made for glory and I will not be lapping up the dregs of sin like a dog yeah. I told them this morning in life class I don't like dogs they're all getting over it so you can too I am coming against the lie of sin in your life today you have been misidentified as a person who is under the bondage of sin. And you are not that person, not in Christ. You confess that you were there and you say, Lord, I, rel- I bring in all that you say. I- I'm telling you guys, there's a victory. There's a victory over sin. If sin is still fun to you, then you don't know this victory yet. I, I hope I'm explaining this right. If, it- if whiskey still tastes good, then you need to meet my Jesus if you're still living in adultery because that's the only form of love you can get from a person who won't commit themselves to you in marriage, then you are reducing yourself to a place of non-glory and it's not normal because I was made for glory because Jesus said I was, be- I was one he would die for and he wouldn't just die for me, he would lift me up and put me at a place of adoption and give me an inheritance that I can live above and not beneath his head and not the tail that I would lend and not borrow, that I would be before and not behind and every blessing and every blessing has been released to me in Christ Jesus and every curse has been done away with at the cross and I will not live beneath my means nor nor will I perjure the cross and say that there's not power over sin for those who will live
1: Lift your hands to heaven. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. It didn't leave me in my sin, but delivered me from sin. Thank you, Lord, for an inheritance, Lord God. Gives me the power and the ability through the Lord Jesus Christ to walk where I need to walk. Lord, thank you today. Lord, we ask in this house today, Father, for the transforming power of your spirit, for the transforming power of your spirit, Lord, let scales fall from eyes, let hearts, God, be open. Let the desire, Lord, be for the things of the Lord. Lord, we render every spirit of darkness in this house today helpless. Lord, we declare the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, worship team. you take your Bibles with me if you will this morning I want you to go to Genesis the 45th chapter Genesis 45 hold your place there the Lord willing we will get to that today but the Lord has not ceased to surprise me week after week as he changes the agenda according to his will But I want us to start in Joshua 14, Joshua 14, and then we're going to skip over, we're going to read one verse there, and then one verse in Joshua 15, Joshua 14, and then Joshua 15, and then we will get back to Genesis 45. Father, we love you. I just want to say thank, I want to thank everyone for being here today. Thank you for choosing to to show up here. And I want us, as we open up in prayer today, I'm not interested in just going through a series of sermons. I'm not interested in, 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 in going through a time frame uh, where we just check off and say, well, we went to church today. I'm ready for the rest of the week. I believe you'll have great benefit for being in the house of God, no doubt. Do not forsake the assemblings of yourself, especially as you see the day approaching. But what I'm most interested in is the transforming power of God. That takes you out of your sin and puts you into right relationship with God. I, I, I'm understanding, young people, that you are living in a world that we talked about 25 years ago, that we we said the day was coming, and we did not even anticipate uh, what the day would look like. But we're in that day, and that day is a day where our young people are are, are at a point and a pivotal point in the church where we have we have um, celebrated so many things, but the cross. And in his time, folks, I believe as we get and see the day of the Lord's approaching, coming near to us, that we need to begin to elevate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ above all else. I have one agenda, I have one motive, and I have only one desire today, and that is the power of the Lord God Almighty revealing himself to you and restoring every aspect of your life in Christ, not separate from him, but in relationship with him. Uh, A relationship with the Father. And so with that in mind, I want you to go with me to the throne of grace once more. Lord, I ask, Almighty God, that you would do what only you can do. Lord, I am only a mouthpiece. Lord, you are the message. I can only uh, uh, speak as you enable me to. And Lord, I just ask today that you would begin to mend those broken hearts, broken relationships. Lord, I pray that you will come against every faulting, defamation Lord God of your character and I pray today that we would begin to grasp the supernatural uh, power of your spirit Lord we ask for revelation today in Jesus name I want you to look here in Joshua 14 as we have been on a series and a journey the dream realized the dream realized stepping in to the dream that God has walking in the place that God has so desired. We see in chapter 14 that Israel had been out in the wilderness for 40 years and now they have been five years into the the land of promise. We see that uh, here is Joshua and Caleb who went and brought back a good report and they had to return to the desert until the other 10 spies and that generation had passed before they could enter that place of promise. And now Caleb comes to Joshua and he says look these are You and I went in we brought a good report. We followed God with all of our heart And now in verse 9 of the 14th chapter Moses This is what Caleb says to Joshua and Moses swore on that day saying Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God now as we look here today and we're going to get into the giants in just a moment that we're tackling and we're facing understand the kingdom of God is not with observation is what the Lord shared with us but the Lord Jesus but he said the kingdom of God is from within and so as we look to the old covenant we look to the word of God we see these things as examples for us we see these things as we understand that, that God has a place of promise that we can live in, that place of joy, that place of hope, that place of relationship. But as we look here and what we begin to see is that Joshua says, look, there's a promise that God gave uh, uh, to Moses, and that, that promise was passed on to Joshua, Yeshua, and Caleb is saying, this is the promise we have. If we will march through the land and wholly follow after God, then that place of promise is ours. Let me tell you that God enables you and I, through the power of Jesus Christ, to make the journey. We can walk through. But notice there, Caleb said, There is an inheritance. I say to you today, we have an inheritance in the Lord Jesus. And if you're still living in sin, that's not the inheritance God has in store for you. If you're still living in a place of, a, of, of self-destructive behavior, that's not the life that God has intended for you. It's not the place. But he has empowered us. And if I don't share anything else today, uh, uh, or I should say this. If you don't walk away with anything else, let me encourage you today to hear this. God not only gives you an inheritance, he empowers you to walk in that inheritance. He didn't just declare, Michael Sanders, you're free from drug addiction and alcoholism and suicidal thoughts and self-hatred. No, he empowered me not to return to that pig pen that he brought me out of. But this is what we need to understand there are those that will pass from this life to the next and you may have amassed some wealth or some means could be large it could be small what you do is you write out your will and you give an inheritance you you pass that on it's it's theirs that may be so in the natural but this is the part I want you to hear you do not have inheritance outside of God. And now let me explain that. See, Becky, he comes. you sit on the front row, you get picked on, so. See, this is the beautiful, beautiful thing about the Lord. He said, "I'm going to give you peace. But he's not going to detach himself from that peace. He is my peace. He gives us peace, and he does not detach himself. He gives us the peace, and with that peace, we understand he is our peace. I give you deliverance. I am your deliverance. I give you hope. I am your hope. See, I don't want the hope. I don't want the gift without the giver. I want the inheritance, and then I want that inheritance to pass on to generations and generations and generations. Now, if you miss Wednesday, I am sorry. I hope they got it recorded and uploaded. It you need to hear that message. Because let me tell you, the enemy has scheming, has scheming plans to destroy you and future generations. But I'm telling you, once you come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and He now dwells and lives on the inside of you, He will destroy the plans that the enemy has for you. See, if we don't hear anything else, we can't, we can't understand the power. See, Ruth, she was gleaning in a field that one day would belong to her. <laughs> she was walking behind servants, and those servants would soon be serving her. <laughs> Why? Because she came into relationship with the Redeemer. And as long as she was in relationship with the Redeemer... Those fields were hers. Those servants were hers. But see, I wouldn't want the field. I wouldn't want the gift without the giver. I'm not interested in the stuff. I'm interested in the relationship. And once you enter into relationship, you understand, uh, as Moses said, uh, Lord, if you don't go, I ain't going with you. If you don't step over, I'm not stepping over with you. Heaven will be heaven because the Lord is there. Now, as we look at this, what we see is Caleb, mamas and daddies, God in heaven. If you can understand that God didn't just save you, Saved you so that you could pass on the knowledge of Christ to future generations. We talked about last week. Maybe you have thoroughly and royally have screwed up. I will say to you. The starting point of God in your heart will transform and even cause the nonsense to make sense later on in your life. You're not going to do yourself or your children any good by continuing in that constant state of condemnation. You need to let the conviction of God bring you to an altar. You need to ask repentance. You need to ask forgiveness and repent of your sins. Have a change of heart and mind and go after God so that your children and future generations may have a hope and a promise. I got a call this morning just before service. It was my one-and-a-half-year-old. She wanted to call talk to her pops. Pops, pops, pops. It's like music to my ears. I want them to grow up in the knowledge of Christ. And they have a mama and a daddy that pray over them every day because they had a mama and daddy that prayed over them every day. Let me say to you the enemy's plans, his tactics are destructive, but let it begin in you. So we look to the Word of God, we see that there were giants that had to be faced. In order for the dream to be realized, there has to be an occupation of some giant thoughts that we have in our mind, of some giant hindrances. And we have talked about at length self. Self is your greatest enemy to the promises of God. We saw that the first giant found in Joshua 15 and 14 that Caleb faced was Shisha which means six which we equated that to self the next one that we talked about last week And we continue to talk about this week is a Hanum and Hanum a Hanum means literally in the Greek It literally means or in the Hebrew. It means my brother Is my gift? My brother is my gift speaks to us about relationship does it not and there are many today that are no longer following the call of god because you've had a broken relationship there are those that are living right now at this very moment in self-destructive behavior because of what happened to them in their childhood There are those that are in this house today, and you don't enter into intimate relationships with someone else because uh, of what took place in your life so many years ago. You still live in that hurt and that pain. It's called dysfunctional relationship. It was the goal of the enemy from the very beginning to destroy. Now, the Bible tells us here in that giant that Caleb had to face that giant was, was a giant of relationship. Some of you are facing a relationship. And see, you have so many gifts inside of you. You have so many gifts given to you by God Almighty that bestowed upon you before the foundation of the earth. He put inside of you rich resources from heaven, but you can't uh, expose those to others because the lid of self uh, keeps it closed uh, or the lid of broken relationship does not allow you to live the life that you want to live relationships. My brother is a gift. Some of you say, have you met my brother? It's like a white elephant Christmas. (laughs) Have you met the one that you're talking about? Let's go beyond that, that Physical brother though your your situation may be surrounded an actual brother, but I'm I want to talk more about relationships because everything that we have flows from that relationship the Greatest gift God has given us is relationship with him And out see if the enemy knew in the garden. What was he after? He was after relationship I I'm just going to take a poll this morning. How many in this place today, honestly, before God, God is your witness, every heartbreak you've ever felt is due to some relationship that you have been in? There's five, six, 7, 10, 15 honest people. <laughs> The truth is, dysfunction comes as a result of broken relationship. Bondage and self-afflicted, self-destructive behavior is a result of, of, of broken relationships. Either from childhood or from marriage or from, you just look around and think about it for just a moment. And those relationships have hindered the body of Christ from moving to the place that we are called to live in. Now, Genesis 2.18, God created man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and he became a living soul. His, man, his name was Adam, but the Lord said, it is not good that man should live alone. And see, the, the Lord would say to you today, it's not good that you should live alone. I'm not telling you, and here, you got to clarify these things. Don't go look for a spouse because of this message. Don't go, don't go, hey, you'll do, get in the car, we're going to the courthouse, You're, we're going to get married. That's not what I'm saying today. But it's, uh, the, the loneliness is because the enemy was after solitary confinement. He wants you in solitary confinement. He wants you to board up your city, your wall, your house, uh, and, and declare, I have, I have no room for anyone else. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18 and 19, or it could be 19 and 18, it wouldn't hurt you to read both of them. But in there, it says a brother offended, a brother hurt, it's harder to be one than a strong city. In other words, they are not open to reconciliation. When somebody hurts you, you close off. You wall off. You build the moat, draw the gate, send the, the people into the watchtower. You're always watching to see if the enemy's going to approach you to destroy you. And we are raising kids in households where they just want to survive their childhood and get somewhere alone and get away from all of the dysfunction and all of the disparity so that they can maybe live some measure of peace on earth. Unfortunately, it prevents them from coming to the house of God because the enemy is still after relationship. He will tempt you into a place of bondage and then beat you over the head for the rest of your life. He will bring division into the heart and he will try to do everything he can to destroy. But let me tell you, he is not greater than the greatest who lives on the inside of you, who builds a relationship that needs to be built by founding you in the relationship with a loving Heavenly Father. Amen. We're not made to be alone. We're made for, to be in community. But I want you to look here, and I'm going to skip over. Let's look to Genesis. We see that sibling rivalry is as old as time. We see that Adam and Eve had a choice. Choose life by eating the tree of life, or eating the fruit of the tree of life, or choose death by Choosing to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil we understand because we are the product of their choice We are the end result of of what happens when you choose to walk in sin now What we see in that is that if they could violate that relationship between if the enemy could violate that relationship between Adam and Eve and the Lord then dysfunction would begin to flow from that. And we know that that was the result because the Bible declares to us that what happened, Cain rose up and he killed Abel. There was a comparison that began to take place. His, he, he didn't celebrate his brother. He didn't acknowledge, he didn't celebrate his brother. You know what there's a How many of you have ever argued over the front seat? No argument in Andrea's house. I've drugged my older sister out of the front car before because it was my turn, my turn to ride in the front. How many of you before the seatbelt days, uh, you know, you had the, you, when they made cars, they had little humps there in the, in the middle. If, if mom and dad are in the front, you got in the middle there, so you could stick your head in the rearview mirror so mom and dad could never see anything, but you had a clear view of what was going on. And you took turns. Now, how many parents in here have ever not heard this phrase or this declaration? "It's not fair. It's my turn. They got to do it last. We live in a world that is inherently filled with sibling rivalry. We see the the dysfunction that took place there in the Word of God. But now in Genesis 45, we come across a young man by the name of Joseph. Joseph suffered from this sibling rivalry himself. And see, what his brothers didn't understand is that Joseph's dream in his life is the same dream God has given to each one of us in some measure. Joseph's dream was to preserve the life of his family. And to some measure, your, the dream God has given you is to preserve the life of not only this generation, but the generation to follow. See, when God saved me, He wanted my children and my children's children's children uh, all the way to the coming of the Lord. He wanted all of them saved. But see, if we don't conquer self, we can't see that because we're blind. If we do not understand the validity and the value of our personal relationship with God, we will devalue the Word of God, the presence of the Lord, the the Scriptures, living according to the Spirit, and learning to walk in the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ to the fullest. And we will be more interested in the front seat than we are our brother. I can't tell you the number of times that I have walked with families who have gone through inheritance issues. Inheritance issues. Mama dads, let me just give you a, just, this is not the Lord, this is not Paul, this is just Mike Sanders speaking. Make an even division of your properties, no matter how little. And just go ahead and put that down in the document and writing and pass it on. And don't leave anybody out. Don't leave anybody out. Do it now. Don't just assume when you get to the other side that, oh, they'll do the right thing. Because they won't do the right thing. Because they put such value in that stuff. And it says something to them that has really nothing to do with monetary value. It has to do with everything. Well, Mama gave it to me because I'm the most important and people find validation from that I don't know why I'm digressing maybe somebody needs to hear this because I have watched as children have been written out of wheels for no good reason I have watched as people have squabbled a, a godly spirit-filled tongue-talking people have argued and fuss and fought over stuff make it right before you leave get it written down give it to and make sure everybody's got a copy of it. So that when you get to the other side you leave a generation that's not fighting over stuff. Amen? Where was I? Joseph. Joseph. He's got a dream. It's not his dream, it's God's dream. It's not your dream, it's God's dream. And the dream realized. Now I'm going to say this, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to hear it. Joseph's dream was to be a preserver of the covenant people. Joseph had a call upon his life to be a leader so that his family, not only the natural, but also the spiritual, may be preserved in the land. Now, as a result of him sharing that dream, his brothers rose up and they despised him, they threw him in a pit and they sold him into slavery he spent 22 years before he saw the the fulfillment of that dream he had to go to prison he was wrongfully accused for a crime he did not commit and now he is he in chapter 45 of genesis 22 years after he was sold into slavery after his brothers betrayed him He ended up in that place the dream had spoken over his life or given to him by God. He's now in that place 22 years later. Now this is the part that may trip you up. Just because it's recorded doesn't mean it's the will of God. Think about it. Joseph... Well, it was the will of God that he suffer all those things. Or don't you think the God that created the heavens and the earth and spoke and worlds came to his don't you think he could have aligned Joseph in a different avenue to bring him to that place? See, because if we identify with Joseph, we got to look at the fact that, well, if it was his will that he suffer this dysfunction, then it must have been the will of the Lord that, my father committed suicide, that my mother was mentally ill, that I had abusive stepfather who physically, emotionally, sexually abused me. That must have been the will of God. No. But see, what Joseph came to realize is that in the midst of all of that God is a sovereign God. And though there may be things that have happened in your life doesn't make it the will of God. But if you will surrender it to the Lord, no matter how vile it might have been, if you will relinquish that to if you will say, Lord, I'm willing to walk through this with you by empowered with you because you not only delivered me from the, from the pain of that, but Lord, you now delivered me and you're with me delivering me all along the way. In fact, you give me the strength to walk through it so I can get to the other side so that now my children and my children's children may have an inheritance that's beyond me. Here is Joseph, and as we look at this, what we see is that in chapter 45, let's just look there. Let's begin reading in verse 5. But now do not, therefore, this is Joseph speaking to his brothers. Could you imagine for just a moment? The brothers take him and throw him in a pit. And Reuben even testified he said I knew this day was coming. I knew this day was coming And he said you heard how Joseph cried out to us and we just ignored him and Reuben leaves and they sell him into slavery now in Genesis 45 He says but now do not therefore be grieved. This is Joseph speaking or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. There are two years of this famine that is in the land, and there shall be five years in which there shall be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a prosperity for you in the earth and to save your lives with a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me, but God. He has made me a father of, to Pharaoh and the Lord of all of his house and a ruler. Now, I want you to look there as we begin to see and begin to understand. There are things that happen to Joseph. 17 years old, he gets a vision that God gives him a dream that he would be a preserver of life. Remember, we're talking about my brother is a gift. And see, his brothers did not comprehend that gift. And they spoke threw him in a pit and sold him in slavery. But I think that dysfunction in that family started long before that time there. Remember we talked about sibling rivalry, how how siblings have fought with one another. Cain killed Abel. We also see that Abraham stepped outside the will of God, he and Sarah, and he had relations with Hagar, her her, her his concubine, and had Ishmael and Isaac. And there was nothing but dysfunction. Now, Isaac and Rebekah have twin boys, Esau and Jacob. And Jacob swindled his brother out of the birthright. And now what we see in there is that Isaac favors Esau. And Rebekah favors Jacob. That tells me there's dysfunction Would you favor one child over another because you enjoy what that child brings to you it is dysfunctional Now my children live with a belief that they're all the favorites My son Jacob will get the phone and he will do a group text with his sisters and just say I just want you to know and just not to hurt your feelings, but I am mom and dad's favorite They'll respond. We know it's you, Jacob, because the truth is we're the favorite. See, when you play favorites, it's dysfunction, and now it passes on to the next generation, and then the next generation. What we see is there is Jacob, who is now who is now Israel, and he's showing favorites because he now has a son from his beloved wife, Joseph. So anything Joseph says, his brothers are not going to receive because they hate him. But see, maybe not even Joseph understood because it's something when you, you're the favored one. You get to ride in the front because mama said. You get the, the coat of many colors because mama said. Because daddy went to the store, bought something special for you. Oh, let me tell you, it's dysfunction, 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 and that's not the way God intended for us to live, but when we find ourselves in those places of dysfunction, and thanks be to God, you will see in the word of the Lord that when Israel was brought into Egypt and there are two sons, the eldest being Manasseh and the second born was Ephraim and those are the two sons of, of Joseph, that Joseph did not allow that dysfunction to continue in his home because Jacob reached over and he put his hand upon his right hand upon Ephraim, which he should have put upon the firstborn, but he put upon the secondborn, and he spoke the blessing over him. And, folks, what we see is that Joseph did not allow that dysfunction to continue in his home. But what we see here, my brother. It's a gift If we don't see people Through the eyes of the Lord We'll miss We'll miss out on so much People are risky They are They are risky And they're more likely going to hurt you They're going to offend you They're going to say things that's gonna bother you I love the lesson that Andrea teaches about being offended we always teach everybody don't be offensive don't be offensive but let me tell you a better avenue that she teaches is why don't you try not being offended shrink your target she shared that one time and I believe it was Lynn Wolfe he said, he's gone on to be with the Lord. She had this big target. And he said, I'm going to take that target with me. And she passed out little targets. And he said, you know what? Do you got anything in between? Because I think I need a step-down program. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard not to be offended. But as we look to the word of God, what we begin to see is that Joseph came to a revelation. I don't know if it was in the prison I don't know if it was while he was a slave in a in a house to to Potiphar. I don't know where he came to that vision, but he did come to a revelation, and that revelation was this. God is in charge and I am not. God is in charge and I am not. And I will put my confidence in the one that not only promised me inheritance, but the one the Word of God says was with him at Potiphar's house. He was with him in the prison. He was with him in the pit, and he's with us now. And with that, we understand that we can forgive because we have been forgiven. And the reason those dysfunctions came about is because it was stirred about by the carnal nature of man, but also stirred about by the devil from the very every beginning, and I don't know about you, but I refuse to allow the enemy one more, one more bit of, 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 of space. space. I had a better word, but I couldn't get it out. It was like on my toe, and I was trying to pull it up. More ground. But let me tell you today, as we look at fact that Caleb was looking at that hillside self you're going down you're a giant but you're not bigger than the God I serve relationship I was born in a house filled with dysfunction but I'm drawing a bloodline right here and I'm crossing over and I'm going to do what I do for the by the power of Jesus Christ living in me and every decision I make will be based on the future generations the Lord told me a long time ago son if you continue to allow that self-destructive behavior in your life you're just passing it on to your children and whatever you allow in your life it will become normative to the next generation So if you want it to stop you need to let the power of God let it stop here. Let the suicide the the addiction, the lust all of those things that you found in your lower nature let them stop here so that the future generations may rise up so that you can get a reward on a Sunday morning when your babies, babies call you and they just want to say hello pops what you doing? Let me tell you that's the life God wants you to live. If you will release your life into the hands of God he will step inside of you and allow you the freedom let me tell you today I would not for a single moment want to relive some of the events that I lived as a child but because of the sovereignty of a living God I wouldn't take one thing for that knowledge because everywhere I was broken, he mended. And I know him as my healer. Everywhere I was in bondage, he brought deliverance and now I know him as the deliverer. Everywhere that a pain had afflicted my heart, now I know him as my healer and know him as my friend. I know him as my God, and I wouldn't take one thing for it. But, folks, let me say, as you are here today, there had to be some gut-wrenching prayers that had to be prayed because God would not allow me to continue in sin And live in relationship to the fullness in Him. And things I didn't think I could overcome. Things that I justified, He wouldn't let me justify anymore. But then He not only gave me the power to receive forgiveness, but to give forgiveness. You live with a man for 10 years of your life. You're told chronically daily that you're worthless, you're no good, you never amount to anything. And that's reinforced with a backhand or a steel toe in the in your rear. You get in trouble for things you didn't know you were in trouble for. You're always guessing what kind of mood they're in, whether or not the supper's going against the wall and whether or not you have to be the one clean it up. In those times where such shameful things that happen to you that you don't want anybody to know about and you certainly don't want it to carry on and, and those things and that, that pain that, that carries and that shame that, that is associated with that, tell me I've got to forgive this man who would call perfect strangers off the street and just to declare to them how stupid and how no good this worthless little boy was? You mean to tell me I've got to forgive the man who who did all of those things? How in the world do you do that? Well, you don't do it with your forgiveness. Because your forgiveness will require them to change. But there's a power. (laughs) The forgiver lives in here. And he says, he don't have to change. I'm going to change you. I'm going to change you. And, And now... Mike, I need you to do something. I, I need you to pray for him. No, 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 no. no, I need you to pray for him now. No, no that, that ain't happening. What, what do you want me to pray? Pray, tell. I want you to pray blessing. What blessing? Lord, bless him with a horrific car accident (laughs) that puts him in traction for at least 20 years. Lord, bless him with a hammer right in the back of the head. Lord, bless him that his toes fall off of his feet. Let him be known as nubby. Just Lord, just destroy everything that's the Lord said, no, that's not the prayer. I want you to pray. Lord, what do you want me to pray? Pray that he may be saved. I don't want to spend eternity with him. <laughs> you mean we're going to have to live on the same street? What in the, I don't want that. I did as the Lord enabled me to do and I begin to see my sins equal with his sins and I begin to pray Father forgive him because he knew not what he did Lord forgive him because he probably did know what he did Lord bless him bless him with your love Bless him with your joy. Let him find peace. Let him find forgiveness. Lord, there may be sins brought against his charge if he doesn't accept you. But Lord, the sins that he afflicted to me don't hold them against him. Lord, forgive him. I release him. I release him forgive him and I promise you today only by Jesus Christ and no other by the love of the father it is my eternal hope that he will find Christ though he's never made any changes he's never offered any apologies he's not done one thing for reconciliation but my hope and prayer is that he is saved in living in life with Christ. How is that possible? It's only possible through the power of Jesus Christ. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Love is the only force, the Father's love, I would say, is the only force that can turn an enemy into a friend. Now, amazing enough, the gentleman I spoke about got my number and he called me on my birthday. I missed the call because I thought it was one of those robo calls, but he left me a message. He said, I just hope you're doing well and I we wish you a happy birthday. I tried to call him back, but he wouldn't answer. Why do I share that? To understand the things that He did to me I would not allow to do to my children you don't take you don't take your kittens and throw them to a python are you hearing me take into context what I'm telling you but there is a liberty that you can find in your heart see there's relationships that are broken today they're broken today could be your fault, could be someone else's fault. See, Joseph, that pain was not one that he had engineered, nor did God. But when it came to the point where he now had the power, Joseph now had the power, instead of retaliating against his brothers, he came to an understanding God is sovereign. Through the inheritance of the inheritor living inside of me. The one that bestowed the inheritance upon me lives in here, and now I can forgive and I can love. And ultimately, the goal of my life and the reason all of those things happened and the reason so often that you get bombarded and and you become the individual who professes Christ but has been outcast by your family is because ultimately the enemy knows if you will put God at the sovereign position that he belongs and that you will walk in his forgiveness and in his love, you could be the preserver of your family's life. And though they're trying to destroy you, those brothers were trying to destroy the very one that would save their skins. Don't take it personal. It's the enemy that's after the seed that lives on the inside of you, and the enemy is attacking you because he's trying to attack Christ. He has tempted you from childhood forward. He has hurt you from childhood forward. But let me tell you, you need to become a lost cause to hell and enter into relationship with God and let the enemy's tactics and his plans be destroyed by the power of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you. Amen? Amen? feel like I just got a double-barrel shotgun and just started shooting it in the air. And you're like, I'm following this, I'm following that. I, I've thrown a lot at you. See, you're not made to be alone. It's not good. You're made to be in a relationship. People are absolutely risky. Sometimes they're petty. Sometimes they're just downright stupid. I said it out loud. And just operate in ignorance. Give them some grace. Because you were not always the sharpest tool in the shed. Amen. You've done some stupid stuff yourself. But you know what the Lord wants to restore? Relationship. Relationship. If you want all those other relationships to be as healthy as they can be. You've got to have a relationship with the living God. And in that relationship, your love will be greater than the love that you can even imagine. And the power to do what you need to do will be resident in you. Because it's not always the easiest thing to ask someone to forgive you, nor to say you're sorry, nor to forgive them when they're not asking for it. Would you stand with me today as the worship team makes their way back up? Without Christ, we fail. So that I don't lose anyone, let me, we're going to have a water baptism orientation room 103 right after service. So don't, don't run off too quickly if you want to be water baptized next Sunday. But I I believe it's important right now. for you to stop trying to do better to be better. It's time for you to stop waiting on that person to ask forgiveness before you forgive. It's time that we we stop the madness of believing that we can do this ourselves. Self-improvement will get me to where I need to be. We need to surrender to the inheritance that God has in store by saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need your peace because I need you. I need your hope because I need you. I need your forgiveness because I need you. I don't want to do this myself anymore. Fathers, I can't tell you again, I will repeat, I cannot tell you The number of times that I've had to call out on God and say, Lord, I need help. I need help with my kids. I need help to be the husband, the father, the grandfather. I need your help, Lord. I can't tell you the number of times that I've felt the Lord just put his arms around me and say, I'm here. We'll get through this. If you're in this house today and this message has been for you and there's some... There's some relational issues you know you've got to work through. I want you to come. I want you to. I want you to come to this altar put your hands up to the Lord. And and before you do anything, I'll, we're going to pray this prayer. Just just come. You know it's you. It's know it. You know it's